Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Cast, the podcast that starts the day on Kilcullen Diary. I'm Brian Byrne, and it is Wednesday, the 26th of May, 2021. Today, we look briefly at the life of Martin Luther, who triggered the Reformation that gave the world Protestantism. And we'll give the other side of the Dunstown Battery Energy Storage System story, which has energised the local community there. First, though, the weather. The early cloud cover will give way to a day of good sunny spells. It should remain dry. Temperatures getting up to about 16 degrees in light winds from the north, which will shift westerly later. Our person of interest today is Martin Luther, a priest, author and composer who took issue with some of the teachings of the Catholic Church and began what became the Reformation. Born in 1483, in what is today Saxony in Germany, his father sent him to study law, but the young man was more drawn to theology and philosophy. He had a fervent love of God. There's a story that, having experienced a close bolt of lightning while out riding, he was so terrified of death that he resolved to become a monk. And in 1505 he entered the Augustinian order. The same year he had received his master's degree, and he continued his studies and also taught theology at a local university. By 1515 he was the provincial vicar for Saxony and Thuringia for his order and responsible for 11 monasteries. Two years later Luther wrote a protest letter about the church practice of selling indulgences to raise money for building St Peter's Basilica in Rome. As part of his publication, 95 Theses, this circulated through Germany, France, England and Italy. His thoughts caught the interest of many students. One of Luther's basic tenets was that forgiveness of sin comes from God alone and could not be acquired by any work, law or merit such as indulgences. By 1518, Luther was defending himself against a charge of heresy at the behest of Pope Leo X. A year later, at a debate in Leipzig, he was asserting that neither the church council nor popes were infallible. And in 1521, he was excommunicated with his writings banned. In mid-April of that year, he was summoned to a convocation in the city of Worms of the political authorities in the Holy Roman Empire. When he again failed to recant his beliefs and teachings, he was, on this day in 1521, declared an outlaw and anyone who captured him or killed him would be rewarded by the authorities. He left Worms under the terms of safe passage which had brought him there, and by subterfuge was brought to a safe place in Wartburg Castle. From there he continued to write. His supporters promoted reforms of the church which provoked many disturbances. By 1526, and having himself married a former nun, Luther was organising a new church. He translated the Latin Bible into German, making it more accessible, and also influenced a translation into English by William Tyndale. Luther died in 1546, and his legacy of Lutheranism was the foundation of today's Protestant part of the Christian Church. Now, those of you who listened yesterday morning will remember my report from the Monday evening meeting of the Two Mile House Says No campaign, against the proposed energy storage system for the Johnstown area. It was, by its nature, just one side of the story, since there was no representative from the applicant company there to give their views. 
So I spoke yesterday afternoon with Paul Carson, CEO of Strategic Power Projects, and I first asked him if the concerns of local people about fire, explosion, contamination and other issues raised by the campaign were valid. Uh, no, is, is a short answer. Uh, I, I can say that listening to your podcast, Energy, this morning, um, goodness, I, I, I was sitting and just in, in disbelief at some of the language that was being used, um, absolute scaremongering. Um, I, I, I know that um, people can have, have an opinion or, or an idea on something, but and to misrepresent the situation and, and to not take facts in, into consideration, I think is grossly unfair. Um, there are um, thousands upon thousands of battery storage installations across the world, and the objectors, well, some of them, have taken on themselves to choose two isolated incidents, one in Liverpool and one in Arizona. And those two incidents of fire are very well documented. They have been thoroughly investigated and reported on. And the, the, the common piece between both of them was that um, they were old-style um, batteries. Uh, they were what you would call NMC batteries, uh, nickel, manganese, cobalt. And th- those batteries are, are not what we would be using. We would be using um, LFP, which is lithium-ion ion um, phosphate. Out of all of the installations around the world, um, there have only been two industrial fires. And I, I suppose that, that that's like saying someone got knocked down by a bus on the street, so nobody should use buses or cross the road anymore. Um, it, it's really sensationalism and doesn't represent the facts. I mean, I, I'm certain that your your listeners uh, could go and find very easily um, Energy Storage Ireland as an association representing energy storage developers. And they have a fact sheet which sets out very, very clearly um, all of the risks that, that may be associated with, with battery, but, but also how the technology has advanced in its design over particularly in the last few years. And, and the, the technology design um, ha, has taken on board those two incidents of fire. And, and the design has changed in the makeup of the battery, but also in, in things like including um, fire breaks between the cells, uh, in, including the distances that we place between the, the actual shipping containers. Um, there's a fire suppression system built into each individual container which should there be a, a cell that, that heats up and is in danger of breaking into fire, the fire suppression system kills that immediately. So first of all, we're certain that the, the installations are safe. Um, but secondly, should there be a malfunction, we're, we're confident that the systems are in place to ensure it doesn't actually become a fire. And so comparing the two incidents um, at Liverpool and Arizona to what we will be installing here in Kildare it is not fair because it's not comparing the right technology with what we will be using. A couple of things to note. Yes, there are two high-profile incidents which are regularly raised, the Arizona and the Liverpool fires. 
but there have been other incidents involving BESS installations. 23 in South Korea alone, between 2017 and 2019, virtually suspended the growth of such systems until investigations had completed. And these concluded causes that included faulty design, faulty installation and poor maintenance. Paul Carson specialises in achieving planning permissions for high-tech energy projects. I asked him if the planning regulations here had the capability to deal with such new technology projects. I, I think the, the Irish planning system is, is very well balanced. Um, it, it takes account of the, the technology. It takes account of the uh, government's very ambitious climate uh, action and ambitions and, and the, the emissions targets for, for, for reducing CO2 and what have you. Um, but, but also the Irish planning system gives a tremendous voice to um, anyone who is concerned or impacted or potentially impacted by a project or a proposal. And, you know, the, the, the five-week period for consultation gives the, the residents that opportunity to, to make their voice heard. Um, there, there's also then a further opportunity, which is quite unique in Ireland, to um, take a, a third-party appeal on, on a site uh, which may be granted approval. So, you know, I, I, I think that, um, that the, the Irish planning system is, is very, very balanced. Um, and, and indeed, you know, we have just been through uh, planning with a, a similar project in, in Offaly. We have just been granted planning approval for... 130 megawatts of solar along with a 50 megawatt battery storage project and that project went through with no submissions and we, we met with the immediate neighbours there as well and we explained the project to them and there were no submissions nobody had any concerns about that project and, and we were um, awarded our grant. On the complaints that the proposed Dunstown installation is in a high density, although rural area, Paul Carson has, as might be expected, a contrarian view. I, I don't believe so. I, I think that um, you know when, when we were choosing the, the site, and, and you, you, you've referred to it, we have a lot of experience in site selection and, and planning for various projects right across the, the, the island. And... This is a site which is located in agricultural fields. Um, I, I wouldn't say that it's densely populated in any shape or form. There's certainly um, a, a number of houses along two roads which are bordering the fields which which surround our project site. Um, but, but I think that it's about 300 or 350 metres to the closest dwelling. Now, I, I'm, I'm not disregarding that in any shape or form, but we take into consideration um, what we call receptors, and receptors are, are dwellings. So we consider each receptor and what the potential impact might be on, on that dwelling. And, and that includes considering any additional noise that the site might create um, and indeed any, any traffic. Um, but you know other things that, that, that we um, survey and, and take great detail in um, is all of the ecology and biodiversity. We have submitted a planning application which covers everything in a tremendous amount of detail, and we are confident that our site does not impact in any shape or form on the ecology or biodiversity in that area. 
Paul Carson has a business profile which shows him to be an entrepreneur over many years in a number of different areas. I asked him how much experience he's had in the kind of project that is proposed for Dunstown. Well, um, in, in the north we built uh, 52 projects um, over the last 10, 10 years. Uh, we, we built the first uh, solar farm which was directly connected into a um, dairy processing factory uh, up in County Tyrone. And uh, we, we have a number of other projects underway. We have a similar scale project in Louth currently. Um, you, you have to bear in mind that um, the Irish renewable uh, industry um, is, is really only kicking off now with solar development. And of course, um, battery is, is coming as a, an absolute essential and critical part of the, the energy infrastructure uh, for, the, for the country going forward. And, and battery is critical because um, the, the government, obviously, in its, in its plans to reduce um, CO2 emissions, is, has already shut down the peat-fired generating stations in the Midlands and is planning to um, close the coal-fired um, power generating stations. So that leaves us with a piece where you will only have power generated from wind and from solar. So when the wind isn't blowing and the sun isn't shining, the only place that we will be able to take power from will be the battery reserves. And that's why these sites are critical in ensuring that people can still watch TV or, or turn their kettle on or, or cook their dinner in the evening um, is, is by having battery provision um, to, to give that security of supply. There is in Dunstown already an ESB substation servicing a 400 kilovolt high voltage line, which comes from Money Point and serves the Dublin area. Is this the reason why the proposed BESS installation site was chosen there? That's exactly the, the issue. Um, these, these battery sites need to be located um, in close proximity to the large scale substations. And you'll, you'll find a pattern that all of our sites are in identical locations where they are right beside uh, major substations. And um, it, it, it's very simple in that the, the power comes into the Dunstein substation um, from the, the generating stations and, and then it is split out and distributed across to the, the, the areas where the, the power is needed. So by locating immediately adjacent to the substation, we are able to feed in that power reserve immediately to, to where it's needed and, and when it's needed. However, one of the concerns that have been raised by the Two Mile House Says No campaign is that locating the proposed BESS there could open the door to further energy-type industrialization. Is there a possibility of, for instance, nearby provision of solar farms or wind turbines to provide energy for storage? There, there is a growing demand and, and a need for further renewable energy projects right across the country. And, and I have no doubt that there will be um, solar development in Kildare. Uh, that, 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 that will follow on very quickly. I, I, I'm not certain about wind. Um, because wind has um, even more stringent criteria these days in, in distance to, to dwellings and what have you. But, but I've no doubt that Kildare is very well suited for solar development going forward. It's part of government policy uh, to support 
uh, further solar development right across the country. And the the eastern and, and southern sides of the country um, are are economically viable for solar. Um, so that's where development will be focused um, right right along what we see as being the, the eastern and southern coasts, if you like. Finally, I asked Paul Carson what message he would have for the people campaigning against the Dunstown development. Well, well I, I would ask respectfully not to, to scaremonger and, and use very uh, loose language. I mean, there is absolutely no justification for a spokesman for the campaign group to suggest that we are creating a bomb site. That is ludicrous language and, and people should refrain from, from that kind of sentimental and emotional language. We are very, very happy to present the facts. Um, the, the battery industry is very heavily regulated. Uh, the safeguards are there. Um, international standards are in place to secure and safeguard. Um, our project will not be operational without the prior approval of the Kildare Fire Authority. Um, so the public can rely on Kildare Fire Authority to, to ensure that everything that needs to be done to keep the project safe will be done. So please don't have anything to fear. If you have anything to talk to us about, we are here. We're very happy to engage. Um, but but it, it needs to be engagement on a fair and reasonable basis, um, which takes the facts into account. That was Paul Carson, CEO of Strategic Power Projects Limited. And I think that over two podcasts, the Delhi cast has reasonably offered the views of both sides. In the end, this is going to come down to talking, negotiation, and the due diligence of planners and other experts. Moving on to the news headlines of the day. The Leinster leader gives significant space to the content of some 3,700 submissions from the public in the recent public consultation survey on the Curra. Littering, traffic and damage are among the worries expressed about its future. The Kildare Nationalist highlights a response to the relief road for NACE being back on the cards. Veteran councillor Shamie Moore describes its inclusion in the NACE draft local area plan as deceitful. And colourfully, he says, I don't think we should be boiling the cabbage twice. KFM Radio News is large on the plight of the Salins men's shed. It's now without a premises. In the Nationals, the shooting of two Gardaí in Blanchardstown last evening is the lead on RTE News. The Irish Times headlines at two as a siege and a man opening fire from a house. The Independence version describes the siege as being hours long, and the examiner also leads with the story, highlighting that the event was close to a local sports pitch where children are believed to have been training at the time. And we leave it there for today from the Daily Cast. The weather looks like it's improving, so make the most of it in your garden. I'm Brian Byrne, this is Kilgallen Diary, and thank you, as always, for listening.